All right, what? Nope, not prayer. Not today. Nope. It's right there in Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 3. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? When a person gets saved, a lot of times what happens, they take their salvation for granted. But realizing what salvation really is, and uh, I, probably after the day you won't forget this again, because there's so much to the word salvation. Uh, and they Greek the word salvation. It's, it's talking about pardon. But the word neglect, let me give you, I looked it up this morning. The word neglect means to have no care for, to be careless, no regard for, made light of, and overlooked. That's the Greek meaning of the word neglect. To have no care for to neglect, to disregard, to make light of, and to overlook. Like in a marriage, a lot of times, the early part of a marriage, we don't take each other for granted, but after a while, we begin to do that. And um, we don't miss one another until it's too late. And then we'll rehearse those moments and times in our lives when uh, we were together, and, uh, but it's too late. But let me give you some thoughts this morning about the great salvation that he's talking about. He said, how are we? So he's talking to the believer. Paul's not talking to the unbeliever. Many people believe that Hebrews was written by Paul. But he said, now how, are, how shall we escape, comma, if we neglect so great salvation? Pardon. The word pardon, if you would look that up in your Bible, a commentary, it would be talking about justification. In other words, the word justified, it means an act or to pronounce righteous. The day that you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were pardoned, forgiven of the sin, and now you're justified or made righteous, pronounced righteous. Now, a lot of these things that I'm going to share with you this morning, it's hard to even to grasp. And like I've said many times, next month I'll be saved for 52 years. But even the things that I'm talking about this morning, uh, and as I was studying this, this uh, yesterday and a little bit this morning, there's so many things that we have because of salvation. We have pardon. In other words, we have been pronounced righteous in the sight of God. Now, within ourselves, there is no righteousness. The Bible said there's none righteous, no, not one. But in Christ, we are righteous. And so he talks about the sins are buried in the grave of God's forgive, uh, for, uh, forgiveness. When you think about that, the Bible said, as far as the east is from the west so far, he cast our sins behind his back, never to remember them again. He's cast them into the ocean of forgiveness. And when a person is saved, they are pardoned. And if you know anything about a person that has committed a crime, supposing a person has killed someone, and the governor gives them a pardon, that means there's nothing that can be held against them from that point on 
from the offense that they have done. And God has pardoned us from our sin. We have been made justified in the sight of God. I want you to turn with me now to Romans chapter 5. You're going to be looking at a lot of verses, so, so be ready. Romans chapter 5. Not only have we been pardoned, but now we can have peace. Romans 5.1 Because of justification. Notice what Romans 5.1 Therefore being justified by faith. Okay, how do we get justified? By faith. We receive that pardon. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus made peace by the blood of his cross. And so when not only did we receive pardon, but now we have received peace. The war with God is over. The war with God is over. Before the Bible says before we're saved, we're enemies of God. But uh, man's, uh, man's thoughts is not on God. They've all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And so we see that when, but when we accept Christ as our Savior, the warfare against God has been canceled. We can now have peace with God. We can go to him and we can make our petitions made just like we did this morning. So that's the, con the, the consolation of the warfare that we had before with God before we got saved. The, the, the battle is over. The, the victory has been won. Notice if you would in Colossians chapter number one. <clears throat> how then, how is the warfare canceled? Colossians chapter number one. And verse number 20. Notice this. And, have, and have, having made peace through the blood of, the, of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things. In other words, what he said, we've been reconciled or brought back. Because of the sins of Adam, wherefore is by one man sin to the world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all of sin. When Adam sinned that day in the garden, sonship was not broken. I have to remember that. Fellowship was broken. And, but the Bible says that, that we have been reconciled to God. We're, now that we are saved, pardon has come in. And we have now received the righteousness of Christ. The Bible said he, he made sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of, of God in him. Do you realize the day that you got saved, now this, these things boggle your mind if you think about it, that you are in the sight of God just as righteous as the Lord Jesus Christ. That's hard to grasp. God is now our friend. He is not only our friend, but he is our father. That's why when we pray, we can pray, Father, we ask you to meet this need because he now is, has become our father. John chapter 1 tells us that, 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 he, that as many as received him, then gave you power to become the sons of God or the children of God. So you can say today, I am a child of God because of the blood of the cross. God is no longer the judge or an enemy. You see, because of our sin, we have been made nigh unto God by the blood of his Son. When you think about that, not only is pardon, 
But there's power. Look, if you will, with me in Romans chapter number one. Power. What are you talking about, power? Well, what he's talking about, we're not alone. When you get saved, God comes to live on the inside of you. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. There it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is he saying here? The power of God to everyone that believes. When, when you got saved, the Holy Ghost of God came to live on the inside of you. He has now taken up his abode in your body. Now that's something to think about. That God is in me and I'm in God. We have to realize that the word power there, if you would underline that word power in your Bible, put it out in your margin, the word power means dynamite. In other words, if you think about what dynamite can do, Years ago, I, I, was a, I was a blaster. That's what I did, drilling blaster. And, uh, and, and I remember one time, uh, the man that uh, built Dale City, uh, Cecil Hilton, he came and wanted to know if we could move this hillside. And I said, yes, we can. And uh, so we drilled that day, and, and we drilled for a couple, two or three days. We filled that, those holes up with dynamite. When that thing went off, it moved that whole hillside down and made it flat. You know what that, you know what, that was that dynamite, the power of dynamite. We put several, several hundred pounds of dynamite in those holes to make it move that mountain. But that dynamite does not have the power that we have living on the inside of us. We have dynamite, the power of God. God doesn't just forgive us, then he leaves us. That's not what happens. When we get saved, we don't, get a new, we don't have a new start. We become new creatures. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new cre creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. Before we were saved, we didn't have that power. A lot of times, people, before they're saved, they try to quit doing things, and we've talked about this before. I've mentioned it in my own testimony. I've tried every year not to drink, but I couldn't do it because I didn't have the power. But once you get saved, that power comes to live on the inside of you. And then we realize, because this power lives on the inside of us, we have that ability to, to overcome any situation in our lives. He says here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There is power in salvation. That's why it's such a great thing. How should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Because there's power in salvation. That power, when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of us, have to remember, the Bible said that in the beginning was God. And, and there in Genesis chapter number one, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. You remember that? The Spirit of God. And we have to understand the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of us now. That's, who get, that's where we get our power from. And if we can recognize that and realize that, that we have no power within ourselves, but we do have the power of God living on the inside of us. That's why I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how you can do that. Not only the power, but we have the presence 
of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this. I want you to turn to John chapter number 14. You're never alone. Never alone. God's with you. John chapter number 14. Verse number 16. Notice what Jesus said he was going to do. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Underline the word another. The word another means one just like me. I'm going to give you another comforter, and he shall abide with you for just a short time. What does it say? Forever. What does that mean? That's another proof positive that you can't lose your salvation. Because the Holy Ghost, when he comes to live on the inside of you, he will never leave you. He cannot leave you, nor forsake you. And so he talks about here, once you're saved, he keeps you saved because the Bible said the Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. You can rest assured in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's something about him. The Bible said the Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. One of the things that helps us to realize and understand that we're saved is because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And so he said that when the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, we can't do the things that we used to do. That's why he says when you get saved, you become a new creature or a new creation. All things pass away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God now comes to live on the inside of us. And the things that we used to do, we can no longer do. I'm talking about the things that are sinful. The things that are sinful with, without, without the Holy Spirit bringing it to our minds. He said he'll teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So what is he talking about there? When the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, he's going to remind us what sin is. You won't have to go to a preacher and say, well, you think this is wrong. You won't have to go to someone else and say, well, do you believe this could be wrong? No, here's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit will begin to dictate to your heart what's right and what's wrong. And a lot of things that we consider, you know, the, the God told me that was wrong, we already knew it before we got saved. I knew it was wrong to drink. I knew it was wrong to smoke. I knew it was wrong to cuss. I knew it was wrong to go to wrong places. I knew that. But now, once you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live on, on the inside of you. Now you have God dictating to your heart what is right and what's wrong. The only thing that God wants us to do is to trust and obey. Amen. Trust what the Word of God has to say and obey what He says to do. And so we have that word. The next word is perfection. Perfection. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. You say, preacher, are you saying that we can be perfect? Yep. <coughs> what? Not in ourselves. Remember what I'm talking about today is not in ourselves. Or not of ourselves. Hebrews chapter number 12. Verse 23. I'm going to stop and give you, uh, give you uh, an idea of what these things are saying. It says, To the general assembly and church, 
define the word church or highlight the word church. You see, you're part of the church. This building is not a church. This building is nothing but an empty building until we get here. We are the church. When we come inside the building, then this is the church. You're the church. I'm the church. So he's talking about here to the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits, underline the spirits, of just men made perfect. Okay, you see, when you get saved, in the economy of God, you're perfect. You say, but I mess up. I have the wrong thoughts. Yeah, that's because you have an old nature living on the inside of you. That old nature is not ratified. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that old nature is still there. And what happens, we have these two different things fighting all the time. He talks about war. And if you re read Romans chapter number seven, when Paul's doing the talking, when he says the things I shouldn't do, I do. And the things I should do, that I do not. O wretched man that I am, who is able to deliver me from this body of sin or bondage. He said, thank God it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the sight of God, you're perfect. Now you say, I don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, you just made God a liar. Or that, read it right there for yourself. The spirits of just men, justified, made perfect. Notice this, this doesn't mean we'll never sin again. Doesn't mean that. Because we, if we give into the old, if we give into the flesh. He said, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What happens when we sin, the Bible said in the book of James, we're drawn away. By, and entice by lust and we have to understand the, but in the, God's eyes we're made perfect now, I know it's I, I know some of you look and tell that look on your face it's hard to believe in it but it's the word of God every sin is buried in great God's grave of forgiveness never to be bought up against us I remember years ago when the church that I went to the preacher used to make this statement he said, make sure that all your, all your sins have confessed up. So when you stand before God, you won't have to answer for them. I've got good news for you. We're not going to answer for sin. You get saved, you're not going to answer for sin. You'll answer for work, so. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We will have to answer for our works, but not for our sin. That will not determine if we stay in heaven or not. That's already predetermined. They're Calvary. Because God has forgiven us of all our sin, past, present, and future. It's all under the blood. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The things I've talked to you about already, isn't it great? Amen. To know these things that we have because of salvation. God demands perfection. It's the precious blood of Christ that provides perfection. We have to understand this. The day that you got saved, it's an Old Testament terminology or theology. That priest would go into the Holy of Holies. They'd take the blood of those lambs uh, or whatever the case would be. That high priest would go in there and there was something called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. He'd take that blood and he would pour it upon that mercy seat. The only thing that was between 
God and that mercy seat with the blood of the Lamb. John said when he saw Jesus standing on the bank that day, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The perfect blood of Christ. We're not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood Amen. of the Lord Jesus. It was precious blood because it was God's blood. God the Son's blood. What can wash away my sin? The baptism of water. Nope. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let me say this. Without the blood of Jesus, you can never have hope of heaven. The Bible said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. When Jesus shed that, his blood that day, that blood was applied to our hearts. And just like that blood of the mercy seat, when God looks at us, he does not see us, he sees the blood of his son applied to our hearts. That's just like in the Exodus, where the death angel came through Egypt that night. They said, put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. And when the angel sees the blood, he said, I'll pass over you. When God sees the blood, that's when he passes over us. What a wonderful thing to think about. Perfection. <laughs> All right, let me give you another one. You say it's more. <laughs> yep. I'm going to say this. There's people that have wrestled with this, this thing of salvation. How great it is. Now, how can I know that I'm saved? Well, let me tell you how you can do that. If you do, listen, can you believe God? Say, okay. Turn, if you would, to John chapter number five. You see, if you can do what God has told you to do to get saved, you can have assurance. John chapter 5. Look, if you would, verse 24. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word. Do you remember the day you got saved? Maybe a preacher was preaching. You heard the word. He said, Now you hear his word, and believe on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. Everlasting means life without an end. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. What is this? This is what is called the spiritual birth certificate for the Christian. Notice if you would. He that heareth my word. Hearing the Bible preached is hearing the word of God. Maybe somebody took their Bible and one on one and sat down and opened their Bible and showed you what you had to do to go to heaven. The word of God. Hear that he, he that heareth my word. Notice this. And believeth on him that sent me. The word believe. In the Greek it means to put one's complete trust in. The question was asked to Paul that day. And Philippian jailers. Sirs what must I do to be saved? What did he say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Believe means to put one's complete trust in. It's not by works of righteousness. It's not the things that we can do. When a person has put their complete trust in the shed blood of Christ, he became the substitute for that individual, that he died in our place, and we accept that, the payment for sin, 
because there is a wage of sin, and that's death. Somebody had to die. It's either us or somebody else, and somebody else was Christ. He died in my place. He became my substitute because the wages of sin, if I choose to pay them for myself, it'll take me eternity to do it in hell, and I can't pay for it. I'll never pay for it. Believe it. The word believe appears 99 times in the book of John alone. It's a big word. Believe. Put one's complete trust in. Believe God's, uh, God has sent us, uh, the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. You remember the day you got saved and you invited Christ into your heart? You remember that? Well, I'll tell you what, if it's something you remember, this is what you ought to remember. You may not know, know the day. Somebody say, what day of the week did you get saved? Well, I, I don't know. The day doesn't matter. But did you have that experience that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Savior? If you did, according to the Scripture, you're saved. Now, I'm not telling you you're saved. What I'm saying is this. If you have met the prerequisites of what God has laid out in his Bible to, to, to get saved, you're saved. Four things. You have to, first of all, believe you're a sinner for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's not a just man that doeth good and sinneth not. I have to realize that I am a sinner. I, and, and my wife will t testify this fact. We knew a lady we used to pick up in, in our van. And, and she had a problem with believing she was a sinner. My wife said, well, I'm not going to say her name, but uh, you, you, you're a sinner. No, I'm not. I'm not a sinner. A person cannot be saved until they realize they're lost. If you were out in the woods and you're lost in that woods, you cannot, you cannot realize that you're lost I mean, you cannot be saved if you realize you're lost. And so you have to realize you're lost. And there's a price on that sin. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. So somebody, then when Jesus cried out that day on Calvary, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The wages of sin is separation from God. He did that. I don't have to be separated from God. Now he's made us a promise. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Mm -hmm. Jesus was forsaken, but we'll never be forsaken. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about? Hath. Not maybe. Hath. Everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death, the wages of sin, unto life. And I give it to them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand isn't that a wonderful thing see condemnation refers to judgment which is literally hell condemned that word condemned I don't know about you but there you know, if you would watch a Western, the judge stands up there one day and says, you've been condemned to die. Tomorrow you'll hang by your neck until you're dead. You've been condemned. But once you get saved, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. 
There is. It's past. It's gone. When you give your heart to Jesus, it's settled. It's done. It's over. You see, you don't get eternal life. When you die, you get eternal life the minute that you're saved. And, a lot, and I believe the older you get, the more you think about heaven. I really do. And, um, well, I know you do. You know, you think about this old body. And uh, Randy, we was talking about that the other day. I remember when Randy would walk wide open all the time. You'd have to run almost to keep up with him. He can't. He's getting slower now. He told me he's getting slower. He's getting weaker. We're all dying. The day you was born, you started dying. Some people, uh, three score and ten, that's what is promised most, for most people. Three score and tens, that would be what, 70 years. A score is 20. That'd be three score, that'd be 60, 10 is 70. But grace lets, lets us live along. Now, I've been living uh, under grace now for seven years. Brother Tommy, a little bit longer than that. But I'm just saying this. We don't have to be old to die. You don't have to be 70 years old or 30 years old or 20. Little children die. But every person, according to the book of Job, they have a month and a day, and they're not going to go beyond that time. The only thing is, what have you did with Christ? Because you can't get saved after you're dead. You die dead. And you'll remain eternally separated from God. What a wonderful thing. Verily, verily, when he says that, verily, verily, I say unto you, it means pay attention. Pay attention to what is being said here. Listen, listen, truly, truly. You see, how do you know you're saved? It's not by feelings. See, feelings change. Someday you get up, man, I, you feel like, man, I could just work all day. You get out there, and I mean, boy, you're going real good. But the next day, I mean, you're sitting on the side of the bed, one shoe off, one shoe on. Don't know if you're getting up or going to bed. Some days you just don't feel right. Salvation is not by feelings. Now, let me say this. It's a good feeling to know that you're saved. But we're not saved by feelings. Turn, if you would, to 1 John chapter number 5. Proof positive of salvation that is eternal. First John chapter number five, verse number thirteen. These things have I written unto you. Now I want you to understand something. Underline the word written. You have a contract or personal, it's called a testament. You have an Old Testament and a New Testament. It's a personal contract, the Word of God. We've mentioned this before, the only thing that God holds above His name is His Word. You've got His Word. These things have I written, I've given my word unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, or have put your complete trust, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you know it today? Well, I hope so. I think so. You can know so. And once the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you, 
you know. You know. Now, let me say this. I've heard people say, well, and I've mentioned this so many times before, and I know. Well, the devil makes me doubt my salvation. Why would he? If you doubted your salvation today, Brother Tommy, what would you do? Amen. Why would the he wants me to think I'm all right? Yeah. Well, you're a good person, and he tells you all kinds of stuff. You're a good person. You haven't done anything wrong. I mean, surely when you stand before the God, I mean, you've given to uh, Saint Jude, and you give to this organization and this organization, and and, uh, and to help people, and and surely one day when you stand before God, He's going to overlook you. Nope. But I tell you one thing, what makes me doubt my salvation? Sin. Sin makes me doubt my salvation. Because, you know, now the devil may something say something like this. Save people don't do what you're doing. But that's conscience. Because, again, I knew before I got saved what was wrong. I already knew that. Sin. Sin in the life of a believer does not change sonship, but it does change fellowship. And when fellowship is not there, sometimes you'll get to wonder, I wonder if I'm really saved. Have you met the prerequisite? You believe you're sinning? Do you believe that Jesus loves you and he died to save you? But God commended his love toward you and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you believe that? You believe that day when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was dying for you? And then whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe. Put your complete trust in him. Realizing it's nothing that we can do to get us to heaven. Except putting our trust in him and him alone. A lot of times, I have this piece of paper that I use and on this piece of paper, Alan knows, and uh, I use this just about all the time. I ask the question, what do you believe that a person would have to do to go to heaven? And if they say anything except trusting Jesus and him alone, I know they don't understand salvation. Because there's nothing that you can add to it nor take away. So if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, if you realize you're a sinner, you realize that Jesus died for your sin, and you're willing to accept what he did that day on Calvary, that he took your place, you can have salvation. And that's why Jesus said that in John. How many times we quote that scripture? When we quote scripture, we we'll listen to what we're saying. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, no man or woman comes to me, comes to God except by me. There's no other way to heaven. Well, I believe in God. James says so to the devil in fears and trembles. He's not going to be in heaven. It's one thing to believe in God, but it's another thing to trust what Jesus did for you that day on Calvary. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. <laughs> How shall we that are saved escape?
But if we neglect, so great a salvation. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you for what we looked at today. I've already looked at it twice, but it still thrilled my heart to know that in your sight, not because of my goodness, but because of what Jesus did that day on Calvary, I now have access into heaven. I know that one day, to be absent from this old body, I'm going to be present with you. What a wonderful thought. But it's all because of Christ. Lord, help us not to neglect this greater salvation. The things that we looked at today, the pardon, the presence, the perfection. Help us, Lord, to remember what salvation really is. And Father, I do pray that, Lord, you'd help us, Lord, to love you and put you first. Thank you for your love and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.